How's it going, everybody? This is Sam from the Central District Podcast, uh, episode six. Again, talking to you from the service uh, center in Central District Cyclery. Uh, once again, I'm Sam, other hey, host. And I'm Nate, um, also with Central District Cyclery. Um, I'm along for the ride today. Awesome. Uh, today, another kind of community topic. Um, so, and something that we just wanted to generally touch on. Uh, Considering most of the bikes we sell are full suspension bikes, so let's actually talk about travel. Um, the different sort of we're gonna kind of break it up into a tiered sort of system. What tr- uh, t- different types of travel are generally geared for? What types of riding? Hopefully, give some insight on that, and then a little bit of suspension setup at the end of this episode. Yeah, yeah and I one little disclaimer: like we're kind of categorizing this a little bit, but of course, there's mm-hmm. gray areas between some of this. And it's not exactly, uh, you know, like an exact science, but this is like of course. kind of what... How a we, guideline, yeah. if you will, yeah. you know. But obviously, as we've always stated in a lot of these episodes, ride a lot of bikes, uh, figure out what you want, because you might surprise yourself, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's jump right in. Let's, I guess, go low to high. Let's talk about, um, you know... Probably, you know, 80 millimeters of travel doesn't really exist outside of like a low end coil fork bike. So let's talk about like 100 millimeter to 120 millimeters of travel, what we would classify as something like a cross country bike. What's the best application for travel in that range? Um, and is that the rear suspension or the front suspension? Let's say both. Let's okay. say both. Mm-hmm. So, um, with a 120, a 100 to 120 travel on the rear of a full suspension bike, um, that is considered a little more cross country. It it crosses over into the next category above a bit, um, and what we're seeing is a trend of like 10 to 20 more millimeters of travel in the front fork compared to the rear of the of the mm-hmm. um, the rear of the full full suspension bike. Mm-hmm. So. Um, if I'm seeing like a 100 or a 120 on the rear, you're almost assuredly going to see a 120 travel fork, maybe a 130, mm-hmm. um, but for sure a 120 um, on the front end of that bike. There's some race models that would have a 100 millimeter um, front fork, and 100 millimeters is about four inches of travel mm-hmm. ish. Um, yeah. You know, between 120 and, and 100, it, you know, you're like four and a half to four inches, somewhere in there. Um, that's a solid bike. It it's, it probably weighs a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. It's using a little lighter um, level of componentry on it. Mm-hmm. And um, for a lot of a lot of people, that's a great, a great travel. Yes. Um, it will start to, as you travel, as you, as you become a, progress as a rider and you start to go to destinations and uh, try other places to ride um, you may find yourself starting to be a little bit limited by that travel it's still when we say cross-country that's going to be kind of the bike of choice for a uh, cross-country racer Mm -hmm. a cross-country rider um, single track is often gets thrown around what's single track single track is you know more smooth more flowing type of riding less aggressive 
by and large, not saying that it's not like there isn't features and things like that, but by and large, that's the the term that gets thrown a lot yeah. around for that type of riding. It's seen so. as a bike that you probably w- you know it's not a downhill bike, right? Per se. You know, and the reason it, it makes sense for that type of riding is you know it's less suspension to push into, so your geometry is often a little bit more preserved. Um, the bike will will stay in a sweet spot a little bit better. You know, you know it's there to help you. You know, you got a little bit of squish to you know level out that trail chatter and stuff like that but as we'll talk about you know with more travel as if you really crank it on the pedals if it has more travel there's often a little bit more squish involved with that so you know the bike is going to stay geometry is going to stay a little bit more preserved and it makes sense for that type of riding but again as we said in the disclaimer it's not exclusive to racers like you know if you find a 100 millimeter travel bike that you like for example for me real quick uh yeti sb100 like i have not personally been on a 100 millimeter travel bike in a long time like i i'm a guy that tends towards bigger travel if i can if i can have it and i think you're the same way nate um I rode that bike and I tried to bottom it out. I tried to push through the suspension on purpose and I couldn't. Now, a lot of that's due to that linkage that Yeti has invented, the Switch Infinity. It's super progressive to the bottom of the stroke. Um, And like I like I had among the most fun on that bike this summer. It was one of my one of my top picks this summer. Um, So I contrast that with uh, we a lot of times we're. Um, if you move up the cattle, you know, up the numbers, mm-hmm. you would expect that the SB100 feels more like a, a trail bike, right? Which we th- are going to loosely say that's a 140 front right. with a 120, 130 rear. And even though that SB100 only has 100 in in the rear, it it feels like it's it's a nice blend between cross country to, to right. trail. And when you jump into trail. Um, which is the the most popular category of, of bikes by, by far. And large. You know, yep. we see a lot of one thir- one forty, one thirty front yep. with one twenty rear bikes, and it's that's what people what the people want typically. It mm-hmm. um it rides well. You start to get a little bigger um, air volumes in your componentry, yep. and um the bikes do weigh. You know, you start to now talking, or you know, like the other thing I guess I would go back to on on the XC bike is that probably. You know, is in that twenty-five to twenty-seven pound range. When you move up that number to the trail, um, you're starting to get more like where it's like twenty-seven to thirty. Yeah, because things spec, get bigger. Right. On They're there. probably going to spec a little bit more durable wheel set. I mean, a bigger fork is going to weigh more. Everything's you know. just bigger, right. and it's, it's just you know the tires <laughs> weigh tires, more. Everything right. just weighs mm-hmm. more. Um, you know. So, um, but I think what we're also seeing is. A lot more people race gravel than race mountain bike. Mm-hmm. And most people now, I think, more I readily identify. Like, I just go ride a couple of times on my local trail. Yep. And then I do a couple of trips, and I go check out some things on yep. my mountain bike. And I think that that 140, 120 is a, a real sweet spot it for is. a lot of people. It, it's the generalist, again, like the trail category makes sense for a lot of people. You know, I'll, I'll throw this term out there, whether you agree with it or not, you may have heard this term before, quiver killer, one bike to rule them all sort of thing. But a lot of people like, you know, when I bought my bike, I wanted a bike that was very general purpose. And then I could branch out from there. So whether I was riding around here 
I took it on a destination, whatever. Uh, I had a bike that was able to ride anything. I could race on it. I could almost, I could jump on it. I can do almost anything. And that like category of travel known as trail, again, like 140-ish in the front, 120 to 140 in the rear, gives you whatever you encounter, whatever you ride, like you're going to be able to, to, the bike, you know, I mean, rider skill comes into play for sure. It's a big part of, of riding, but the bike can handle a lot of stuff, you know. Well, you can always get in over your head. But uh, um, I think this is where, for me, if you're riding more of a cross-country bike, you're still riding around things a yes. lot more. And when you get into the trail designation, now you're, you're seriously talking about you can I can ride over You things. can ride through and over things uh, a little bit more. And, and the, it gives you that line choice. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can ride around it, you know, but you can pick that little bit more aggressive line and know that the bike is there for you and yep. can support you. And then when you, you know, like now the next one above that, you start to be 130 in the back. Or uh, bigger. Or bigger. Yeah. But usually now we're seeing a 150, 160 front. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of good examples of this, of this kind of travel and actually kind of my preferred amount of travel. Usually, um, the term, the the bikes pedal so much better at this, you know, but you're just getting bigger and bigger stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a much more durable bike. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm probably, you know, like I've said in the earlier podcasts, I'm kind of done with racing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just riding. And so yep. for me, um, that could be backcountry yep. exploration. That could be some single tracks, some right? single tracks, mm-hmm. some stuff like that. Right. I like that trail, and what I would call like maybe what's more popular is the enduro. Enduro is often know, the term that gets thrown the around. One sixty to one thirty, one forty rear yeah. end type bikes, mm-hmm. um, which isn't for everybody, but no. it. Um, I think you get a, a little nicer blend, and there's you a lot get of a good, lot of capability. Yeah, and and the 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 misno the 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 issue with I think that a, the, that a lot of people can have is uh, travel. Um, that they equate travel with pedaling efficiency, and so what I mean by that is a bigger travel bike doesn't pedal very well. It just oh, it's it's you know this big, it doesn't pedal very well. It depends on the bike. Like, there's a lot of factors at play. What shock does it have? How is the shock set up? What is the linkage? Like, how does that shock work? Um, the word is kinematics. You know, how does it go through the travel? All of that matters. So just to say that a 160 in the rear, you know, like a, like a 160 up front, 150 in the rear, or even 160 in the rear, doesn't pedal well, like, ride it. You know, but th- that's that's often... Where where the line gets drawn is a shorter travel bike will pedal better, especially uphill, um, because it it has less squish there. There's less to push into, um, but it really depends on the bicycle, and that's the thing is it's trending. Uh, because we're getting sophisticated linkages. We're getting shock manufacturers like Air Shocks have become so good these days. Like, I remember my first full suspension bike was a Specialized Epic, uh, one of the original ones with the brain. That's a whole nother topic for another day. But, like, it, it only had 100 millimeters of travel, but it was it, it squished a lot. It squished a lot, and I didn't want any more because of how much squish that bike had. Now, you can jump on 
a good like 140 150 bike and like that bike is gonna be efficient like you're gonna you can you can crank on the pedals and that bike is gonna sit up in its travel it's not gonna bob is the term where you squish down because whenever one of you compresses a suspension you're losing power to your rear wheel you're losing efficiency um but yeah no i think arguably too um i want to put this out there that you know simply said um, full suspension rear keeps your rear tire in more contact with the ground and the ground is not actually absolutely flat right and if you're on a hard tail all all that can do that is the tire Mm -hmm. with a full suspension bike that that rear tire is planted to the ground and you ultimately i think are faster uphill and downhill yeah and the big point is is that it, these bikes climb well. Yep. With the single ring drivetrain and the wide ratio cassettes, you can mm-hmm. you know ride a fairly big bike up a pretty steep incline, not run out of gears, and then be able to yeah. tur- f- hit the apex of the of the climb and hit, point the bike down mm-hmm. and just rip. And again, capability. You don't know where your biking endeavors are going to take you. You could end up in a place like Whistler. Who knows? You know, like, and you, like, having just a bigger bike, you can really send it and not have to worry about damaging yourself or damaging the bike. Again, you can always get in over your head, uh, but, like, it gives you that flexibility um, to, to be able to, to ride some gnarlier stuff. And there's even a type of racing. Like, why is the bike called Enduro? There is a type of racing called enduro racing where you're only timed on the downhills. You got to pedal your bike up, you know, but you're not timed on that. And, you know, I guess I don't know how many enduro races you're going to find in Michigan. Um, uh, you're going to find them. T- t- Marquette and Marquette, Copper right. But, like, it is a type of racing that, hey, might appeal to you, you know, uh, if you're if you're into that sort of thing. And, like, yeah, just to fly downhill, but then be able to capably get up the the hill and up the mountain yeah that's a that's a really good realm for those type of bikes um now real quick we want to talk about a little bit of suspension setup uh specifically a thing called sag um so if a full suspension bike is not set up correct correctly it will ride not well um one of the things you have to focus on initially is a thing called sag so what that is and then i'll kick it over to nate um, basically you have to, you want the suspension to sag a little bit when you set it up with your air pressure, we're talking about air shocks, that it'll basically get to a point where the suspension is happy, like in this sort of middle ground. So you, it won't ride too stiff and it won't ride too soft. Typically sag is about 30% of your overall travel. Um, but it's just something to be aware of. Um, we've seen it before. Nate has some experience with that. If a bike isn't set up correctly, it won't ride well. So pay attention to your sag. Yeah, well, uh, and you should also own a rear sh- a shock pump, mm-hmm. and you should play with air pressure. It's not um, for a lot of people. It's set and forget. But um, sometimes you want a twenty percent sag, uh, like Yeti. That's the recommendation on there. Yep. On their deal, um, and so usually you're setting up sag for twenty to thirty percent. Um, and uh, the danger of not having sag, besides, is a harsh ride, but you're also going to damage your shock. But because yep. the shock needs travel to come back from a hit, once it right. depresses and when it compresses, it needs to be able to go actually out beyond a little bit, and that's why there's sag. 
mm-hmm. or that's one of the reasons why they're yes. SAG. And um, that gets overlooked. So, you know, SAG would be best measured by um, general rule of thumb, rider's weight of air pressure. Yes. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you put 150 pounds of air pressure in your in the rear in the rear shock, jump on your bike, yeah, and start measuring for sag. And some shocks have an O-ring that you can kind of do the visual. Some shocks actually have a, a printed delineation ruler yeah. on the rock shocks. It's yeah. very nice. Makes it easy to set up sag or um, ballpark it. Mm-hmm. You know, but you can, it's something you can do visually, and you can yep. s- and just like okay, there's about 20, there's about 30, and you should know how your bike really rides right. in those ranges. Mm-hmm. Some days you might be on a longer ride and you and you have more gear on. Yeah, your ride weight you don't realize it just increases. changed by ten pounds or something. And ten pounds to account yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. You can readily feel ten pounds of difference in yes. air pressure in a rear shock. Yes. So just something if if you need help setting up, uh, you know, this is mostly for full suspension, but even an air fork needs to be set up correctly. Um, you know, bring it in to a shop, ha- you know, ask questions, have them help you set it up. And then once you kind of get fluent in it, you can set up your own shock. And again, you know, look at the manufacturer's recommendations as a starting point, but use it as a starting point. Then, you know, as you, depending on how you like to ride and what you want your bike to feel like, play around with some stuff. And mm-hmm. you can get all nerdy or you don't have to, but oh, you yeah. should know a couple of different settings yep. on your on your equipment. Any get. final thoughts about travel and full suspension, SAG, anything like that? Um, you, you know, you kind of caught me off guard on that one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say I, I think that, um, you know, it's kind of the day of the full suspension bike more and more. Um, I know there's a lot of hardtail, you know, we still sell a lot of hardtails as mm-hmm. well, but um, we're seeing some of the best equipment on the market right now. It'll only get better. Yep. Um, and the bikes ride so well that you, why wouldn't you? Yep. Jump on one. Don't let travel dictate the bike. Uh, jump on a lot of different bikes, you know. Um, and again, as we've said, you know, just because it only has 120 millimeters of travel doesn't mean it's not capable. And just because it has 150 millimeters of travel doesn't mean it's it can't pedal. You can't pedal the bike. Um, you know, jump on a lot of these modern bikes. Bikes are getting so good for so many conditions. Um, think about, well, again, what you want and ride a lot of bikes. Um, that would be my closing thoughts. Um, we look forward to next episode. Uh, we'll have a brand new topic coming at you uh, Monday. Thanks. Have a good day. Have a good one.